Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. In Acts chapter 16, I, I, I want to look at this passage of Scripture. I like to have fun. Uh, if we're, we're one-on-one, we can cut up, and I, I love to joke around and have fun. But when it comes to missions, I tend to get really serious really quick. Um, and I think it's because of just, and, and I don't want to sound dramatic. I don't want to try to sound like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be somebody I'm not. But I think it's really because God's allowed me to see some things uh, that I've, I've seen. I've looked in the eyes of people. I've seen brokenness. I've seen hurt. I've seen what um, the oppression can look like from people of other religions of false hopes. Uh, I've watched people as they're on their deathbeds that don't know what it's like to know the peace that Jesus Christ can give. And so whenever I start to think about missions, I get really serious really quick because I think that there's a task at hand. There's so much that can be accomplished. And I think that we've kind of almost lost sight of that sometimes in America. I think God has been so good to us. We're living in probably the richest church age that the world has ever known, and yet we're still struggling to get missionaries to the field fast. We still have missionaries who are struggling to be able to accomplish the task at hand. And so tonight, I, I want to share with you some thoughts that I hope will be an encouragement to you. I really honestly do. I just want to be an encouragement to you. I really just want us to begin to think. I want us to think outside these walls. I want to think, uh, get us to think outside of ourselves Um, I I believe with all my heart, uh, it is the church's responsibility to get the gospel to our world. I I believe that if if you have a passion and a relationship with Jesus Christ and you love him, I think that that love is going to cause you to have a passion for others to know him, regardless of their location, uh, regardless of their race, regardless of culture or cost. I personally believe that we really are in need of of more of a missional revival in our churches today. Um, We've watched a growing trend over the last few decades of more American missionaries leaving the field than going to the field. And that's a frustration. Uh, The reality is America has quickly become a mission field of itself. And I think in part it's because we've lost our focus and our passion of the gospel and getting the gospel not only to those who live next door to us, but all over this world. I think there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of excuses, the frustrations are high, the disappointments are great, but the need is still evident, the task is still unfinished until our churches really have a passion for missions, until we have a a global burden to see people come to know Christ, until we really have a, a deep down burden and horror of hell I think we really fail miserably. We fail uh, to give, to go, uh, to pray. And I think we got to get beyond where we are today. We got to think beyond these walls. We got to come to the end of ourselves and allow him to really take us beyond where we are right here, right now. So let's be challenged with what that looks like. In Acts chapter 16, look, if you will, in verse number five with me. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. That's awesome. Uh, Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they uh, uh, essayed to to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. 
And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. So that's a whole, lot of, a whole lot of directions and cities. That's basically saying Paul is just finding and going where the Holy Spirit is leading him and doing his best to not only encourage churches that were planted, but also to plant new churches and to get the gospel message out to everybody. And here's what happens in verse number nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I like this passage of scripture because I think there's a lot of things that we can learn. And so we're going to really just take some bits and pieces from this passage really fast. We're going to see how they apply to us as a congregation, as well as to us personally. And hopefully when we leave these walls tonight, we're going to start thinking way outside of this region. We're going to start thinking more about everyone that we meet and how every person on the face of this earth should hear the gospel message. When I look at this first thing, I look right here at the beginning of the verse, it says, and a vision appeared. Now listen, this is the anomaly of missions to me. This is really the anomaly of missions to me because this vision that he has was God trying to get his attention. This is him basically, uh, allow, and you understand too, this was not Paul's vision. It doesn't say Paul had a vision. This was God putting it into Paul's mind here, into Paul's heart. This was God wanting to capture his focus and his attention, and he wanted him to see that there were other people that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. More than anything, we need churches and church people today to realize that there are people outside these walls that have got to hear the gospel message before their eyes close in death, or they will spend eternity separated from God. That's what the Bible says. I can try to impress you with numbers all day. I love to look at the numbers of medical missions outreach. I can tell you about 25,000 patients coming through our claim. I can tell you if you look at the numbers last year alone of medical missions outreach, if you divided that by 365 days, it on average, we saw 52 patients every single day. That's a busy clinic for anywhere in America, much less on a mission field. That's a pretty busy clinic. I could try to impress you with that. I could tell you that based off the number of folks that trusted Christ as their personal savior last year, if you took that and you divided it by 365 days, then you divided it again by 24 hours in that day, I could tell you that last year alone, every one hour and 42 minutes, somebody prayed to trust Christ as their personal savior. I could try to impress you with that. I could tell you that the average cost of care for our patients rounds out to be about $32 per person. That's any type of orthopedic care. That's any type of medical care, lab procedures, anything that we do for them, $34 for them to receive total care in our clinics. I could try to tell you these things to impress you, but the thing that we lose sight of super fast is that every one of those numbers is a soul that's gonna spend eternity somewhere. And that's exactly what he was trying to get Paul's attention to realize. Paul, this man here that you're gonna see in his face needs to, you're gonna see his face in your mind. You need to go to him and get the gospel message to him. It was people he had not met that he did not know that he was unfamiliar with, needing to hear the life-transforming message of God's love. John knew and he would write about God loving the world, but this was the moment when God showed Paul clearly the need. I can tell you this too, again, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, but this is what keeps me driven. This is what gets me out of bed every morning, and I know for a fact I am created to do medical missions outreach, and I can do nothing else. That every one of those trips I go on, I say, God, before I land in this country, this week, God, burn a face in my mind that I will never forget. 
Help me to help me to remember the very first trip. I can tell you. I can start telling you names. I try. I can't tell you names of every country anymore. But I can sit here and in my mind I can rehearse face after face after face after face, that it's not just a bunch of numbers. These are souls that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Paul sees this, he's immediately overwhelmed by the fact that this face is begging him to come and share the gospel message. This is the anomaly of missions. The anomaly is that we would go to places we've never been to meet people we do not know, to give them the love of Jesus Christ, which has changed us forever. That's what missions is all about. That's what would cause these families to give up whatever ambition they may have had or whatever goals that they may have had personally to go and serve in some of these countries and, and to, to, to work so hard to learn other languages and to, to learn skill sets that would enable them to get into homes and communities and express the love of Jesus Christ clearly and adequately so that the gospel can take root and change lives. That's what missions is all about. This was something that would capture his attention, that would keep his focus, that would center his direction. I believe the spectacle that would cause God to send his only begotten son for our sins is a lost and dying world, and that's exactly what Paul sees here. That Jesus Christ would do it all. He would come for all sinners, all gluttons, all drunkards, all abusers, liars, thieves, adulterers, unrighteous, and the least deserving, he would do it for me. This was something that was not a voluntary observation this was something that had absolutely captured the attention of Paul. And I hope tonight it captures our attention. God, tonight, help me to see people differently. That I see that barista on a regular basis, not as just a woman handing me coffee, but the possibility that she could be a single mother that's struggling, that needs somebody to pray for. Help me not to just see that young man at the grocery store that helps bag my groceries as just another kid that I'm gonna give a tip to at the car, but that I give him a gospel track and I invite him to my church because I don't know what type of abuse he's endured in his life. He needs Jesus Christ, maybe. That it's no longer just that person at a red light that's holding that sign, but it's somebody who may be struggling with addiction that Jesus Christ can break those chains. God, help me to see them the way you see them as a soul that needs eternal change. God, help me not to see them as some extremist, as some extreme fundamentalist of another religion. Help me to see them as someone that's blinded in darkness that needs the gospel message to set them free. God, help us to see this because that's the anomaly of missions that we would go, we would give everything so that his glorious message and his name is proclaimed to all of them. But listen, this is the actuality of missions too. Because as I look at it, it's this vision that appears that's gonna cause him to go somewhere he's never been. But there, in the second, the second part of this passage, he says, not only a vision appeared, but there stood a man of Macedonia. This is the actuality of missions. The reality of missions is people. We've misaligned scripture and we misunderstand the word of God if we fail to equate missions with people. Now listen carefully to what I'm gonna say because I don't want you to get me wrong. Of course, I'm all for helping people. I'm a medical missionary. But if all I were to do were to be digging wells to provide clean water, if all I do is I go buy, I go and I, I build homes for people that are in need of homes, if all I do were to go and provide medical care to people and that's it and I don't give them the gospel message, I have failed miserably. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not stupid. I know that when I go into these communities, 
95% of our patients come with intestinal parasites because of unclean drinking water. Of course, I want to provide them clean drinking water. Of course, I want to do something. In fact, I'm going to. I'm going to give them albendazole, and it'll treat their body and rid them of parasites for about six months. After that, I'm going to give them some multivitamins to help uh, restore the nutritional value they've been losing in their meals. I'm going to do that, but guess what? Those medicines are going to run out. Uh, the newly diagnosed hypertensive patient that comes in, that we give them some medication to help them. I only can afford to give 30 days per patient because that's all we can afford in our pharmacies. But I'm going to do my best, but I'm not stupid. I know it's going to run out. They're going to need more. And one day, their body is going to continue to deteriorate. Those glasses are no longer going to be as strong as they used to be. Those teeth that we helped them with before, they're going to start having more problems. The surgery that we provided for them years ago, they may need something else. Their body is going to continue to wither away, and they're inching closer and closer every single day to death. And if I don't realize that and give them the gospel message, I have utterly failed in this life. I can be as kind as I want to be to other people. I can provide everything under the sun to everybody I can to help them be more comfortable and help them have a better life. But if I have not given them Jesus Christ, I failed. And so you and I, when we come to missions, when we begin thinking of how we're going to invest in where we give our money, where we give our time, where we give our attention, may we realize that the, the actuality of missions is it's all about people, people of all colors, of all social backgrounds, speaking different languages, participating in different cultures and customs. It's dirty people, it's mean people, it's working people, rich people, hurting people, corrupt people. People in foreign lands are dying without knowing Jesus Christ as their savior. There's real people in Yemen that need Jesus Christ. There's real people in China and Sudan and Nepal and Suriname and Angola. There's Muslims, Buddhists, Taoists, Jews, Sikhs, animists. They need Jesus Christ, and we need to ask God to show us, to see their faces, to see their square jaws, their almond eyes, show us the very shades of their skin. Let us hear their amazing languages. Help us to get over our differences and our misunderstandings and get the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. That is what missions is all about. Get us beyond ourselves, God, that we no longer see only our desires and our goals and our tiny little kingdoms that we're building and all the little bitty trinkets and treasures that we just keep putting under our roofs. God, help us to see it's about the other people on this earth. You heard the old stupid illustration. You're never gonna see that hearse pulling a U-Haul. Man, seriously, really, I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen the wealth that I've seen in this community. Uh, I was teasing one of the missionaries as we walked into a restaurant the other day. There was a car sitting in the parking lot. I said, that car right there, that's deputation four times over right there. And we kind of laughed. Seriously, may our heart be so in tune with God that that's where our treasure is well. That we're willing to give because the actuality of missions is it's all about people But I love this because he continues on, and a vision appeared. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him. Oh, this is the appeal of missions. We've got to realize that there is a call from God to go. And listen to this. There is a call from people asking us to come. I hope you understand that. There are people begging for more people to come share the gospel. I see it all the time. 
I was in an internally displaced people group in Kenya, Africa, three and a half hours outside of Nairobi. Basically, the two tribes had put up a candidate for president of the country. When the one tribe won, the other tribe lashed out in violence. They put them all on buses, took them three and a half hours north into the middle of nowhere, dropped them off, and made them start all over again with nothing. Literally, the homes there were made of cow dung and sticks. People out in the middle of nowhere, no electricity, no running water, anywhere to be found. When we got out there and we started our medical clinic, the church had been taking several church members out there and having a Bible study with the people, trying to share the gospel message with them. When we got out there with our medical clinic, the people came out in droves, hundreds of people showing up. I didn't even know where they were coming from. We would sit on the side of this hill and you could ask my wife, you could see it seemed like for miles because we were on this hill. And all of a sudden, just people, you could see like tiny silhouettes that would pop up and they would begin walking. And all of a sudden, before you know it, there was just hundreds of people standing there. And as we're helping them and we're giving them all this medical care over and over and over again, we kept hearing the same thing. Can we please have a church here? Could somebody come and start a church here with us? We want to know more. We want to know more. Uh, We were in West Africa. Uh, We had been working right outside of Abidjan in Cote d'Ivoire. And uh, the missionary tells us, he says, okay, listen, for the first two days of clinic, we've really, really, really been praying for God to open a door in a village. The chief of the village has told us that they're proud of the fact that they have no churches whatsoever in this village. There's no church whatsoever. It's just simply animism is all that they have there in their community. Uh, We've been praying for an opportunity. He won't let us have Bible studies. He won't even crack the door for our, our church to do anything to minister to them. But when we told him that we were bringing a medical team, he agreed to let you come in. Oh, that's awesome. We'll go in a heartbeat. Let's go. The the chief knew the only way the medical team is going to come is if the church people could come to and they could just pray with them over their illness and just tell them a little bit about Jesus Christ. The chief agreed to it. First day of clinic, we were overrun. I mean, people everywhere. It was awesome. We're loving it. We're helping them. We're trying to get some order there because it was more people than we expected. We've got a great optical clinic going on. We've got the medical clinic going on. By the end of the day, the chief comes over to me. He says, come tomorrow. Yes, sir, absolutely. We'll be here tomorrow. We know tomorrow's the last day. You don't really want the church people here, but we're going to be here tomorrow. We're going to help these folks. Next day, crowds. I mean, just crowds of people hoarding around our clinic site, trying to get in the door. We're helping all of them as fast as we can. At the end of the day, the chief comes to me again. He says, tomorrow, you come back. Sure, that's fine. We'll come back tomorrow. But you got to understand this. Every single day, dozens of people trust in Christ. Dozens of people saying, I've never heard this before. I've never heard this. Would you, would you come back and tell me more about this? Uh, we came back the third day. We came back the fourth day. He asked us to come back the fifth day, and I told him, I've got to catch a flight. I've got to take all these people back to America. He looked at the missionary. He said, well, can you at least come back? Well, I don't do medical work. That's okay. Can you keep coming and telling us more about Jesus Christ? There are people that want to hear, don't believe the news. Don't believe all the downers about people don't love God anymore. There are people who genuinely have a love for Jesus Christ, and there are still people who want to have a deeper relationship with them. We need more people who are willing to go. And here in this passage of Scripture, when I look at this, there's this appeal. There are countless that want to hear. They want to know God. They want to know his peace. They want to know his assurance, his forgiveness. They want to know what happens after this life. They want to know true love and joy. They want to hear your testimony. They want to sing songs and hymns. They want to start Bible studies and be discipled. They want to experience for themselves and for their families. They want to know our God. I was in Brazil We had traveled by boat down the uh, Amazon River, and we were with an indigenous people group that were pretty much untouched by the outside world. 
the government had given us a a special permission to go in and serve in this community. And there was an American missionary there that was with us that had studied extensively the languages and learned the local tribal dialect. Uh, we came in and we helped the, the people of that, 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 that area, and we had just a wonderful day. And it was something just amazing to see. I felt like I was in a National Geographic documentary. I'm saying, I mean, people walking around in loincloths and all kind of beads, and just it was just amazing. And at the end of the clinic, the chief came over and he invited me into his maloko. It's the, the, the center structure that all the other homes are built around, a big grass-thatched uh, uh, hut there. And I got into the, the thing, and, and I mean, I'm walking into this, and I'm serious. I felt like a little kid. I'm like looking around like there's a little fire going over here, and, and there's this big, shiny, old log. No telling how long it's been sitting there, and he wants us to all sit around. And, and then all of his, uh, his, his people from his tribe come, and they fill in their spots, and we're sitting there. And I have my backpack in my lap, and he begins thanking me for coming. And I realized very quickly that this was more of a formal thing. I didn't realize that this was more of a cultural thing that I had stepped into. And so I'm sitting there listening to him as he's kind of giving this presentation, and it hit me. I'm supposed to probably give him something. I think that's what you're, you know, to pay respect. He's the he's chief of the tribe. So the whole time he's talking, I've got my hand in my backpack, and I'm like fishing through to see if I got anything. Granola bar, no, that's not going to work. Nail clippers, that's not going to work. Bottle of water, that, and, and I'm just kind of fishing, and all of a sudden I found, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what I'll give him. So he finishes speaking, and I pull out of my bag. I said, uh, chief, I just want to say thank you for letting us come to your tribe. This missionary, he's been praying for your people for years. He was so excited to be able to come here to share uh, the love with everyone else. I said, and I want to give you this gift to remind you of us. And I handed him a pair of binoculars. He looked at it like, what in the world is this? And I said, uh, I said, let's go outside. So we go outside, and as soon as we step outside, I say, okay, put those up to your eyes. He puts them up to his eyes, and he almost falls down. He's like looking. I'm like, what kind of witchcraft is this? Like, you know, what is this thing? And so I told him, I said, these, these binoculars, they make things that seem very, very far away seem very, very close. I said, just like the word of God that he's holding, a God that may seem very, very far away can be very, very close. And he looked at us in that puzzled look of, of suddenly that light clicking that God can live within my heart. And he asked the missionary, can you come and tell us more? They want to hear, but we need to go. We have got to send more. We've got to give more. We've got to pray more. We've got to do more. We've got to tell more. They don't want another religion. They don't want another God to add to their shelf. They want and need the true God of the universe, the creator, the sustainer, the king of kings and Lord of lords. And while there may be a need for medicine, there may be a need for clean water, mosquito nets, and education, they need the gospel. They want the truth, and we've got to go and share it. Two more things, and I'll be done. As I continue reading this verse, and a vision appeared, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia. I think we have to be honest and realize the appraisal of missions. This man asked Paul to come, but there was no promises of funding. There was no reimbursement plan. There was no contract of hours, no safety plan to come over. It was just simply come. We're beyond where you are now. We want to hear. We need to be saved. It's up to us to support those who are willing to go. If God hasn't called you to go, for goodness sake, support them to go. Because there are some that desire to hear the gospel. 
It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost lives. I hope you understand the... the seriousness of the day we live in where there are missionaries who are literally giving their life to stand for Christ and to get the gospel message out. It's not always the stories that you hear about. It's not always on the news. But there are people who are giving everything so that others may hear. But listen, the price is too high to not send the gospel. J. Hudson Taylor told As he returned to England, he he recounted a story of his trip to China in which he met and befriended a young man whose name in English was Peter. Each day they would speak and and Taylor would share the gospel and Taylor was convinced that, that soon the man would place his trust in Christ. As they neared the shore of a stopover along their journey, J. Hudson Taylor prepared to go ashore and suddenly heard a loud splash in the water and people running and shouting from the dock. Taylor ran up on the deck and quickly assessed that his friend Peter was missing. A person shouted and pointed to the place where he had fallen overboard, and Taylor jumped in. Multiple attempts proved futile, but he noticed a fishing boat with dragnets nearby. He yelled loudly, come quickly and help us. The fisherman replied, we're too busy. A man is in danger. I'll pay you. How much? Three gold coins. Mm, Too little. We'll come for 30. I don't have that much. I'll give you everything I got. How how much is that? About 12 gold coins. The men came over and on their first pass with the net, pulled Peter into the boat. But it was too late, he was dead. Uh, Taylor tells of the indignation and the contempt that fell on the faces of the people there in that room. Their disgust with the greedy fishermen. The words they mumbled under their breath until he asked them, but what of the millions that are dying right now? What of those that sit under the condemnation of God's eternal judgment? What of the countless that need to hear of his salvation right now? What will it take for us as a church to go beyond? Because it ends here in this passage for me in this verse when he says, and help us. This man from Macedonia, come over into Macedonia and help us. This is the advancement of missions. The thought of being used of God to help Others, it's truly humbling. It really is. It's humbling that of everything God could have chosen, he's chosen us to get this gospel message out. I hope that humbles you, that you have something, you have a knowledge, you have a gift that's been given to you that you can give to other people that will radically change their eternity. I cannot do the changing, but I know the one who can. To think of being used for that purpose is absolutely incredible. What a privilege, knowing that if I go beyond, that if you give beyond, people's lives will be changed. That we could be used to bring eternal help to others. What a blessing. Tonight, how far are you willing to go? I can't help but think in a room this large, there has to be someone that God's been working your heart about the opportunity beyond here that you would surrender and you would go to some foreign field, that you would reach someone that's begging God to send someone right now to help them hear the truth of the gospel message. I can't help but think that there has to be someone in this room that you're thinking, okay, God, I'm willing to give beyond anything I've ever given before, but you've got to do this. He will. We can do this. We can reach this world for Jesus Christ. It's his plan. He's equipped us. He's called us. We absolutely can do this. 
Let's go beyond this year in our mission. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.